The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, celebrating 70 years of impacting road safety around the world. Find us at drivedifferent.com. Smith System, drive different, save lives. With safer vehicle design, driver assistance technology, and mountains of data available for monitoring devices, why is it that vehicle crashes and deaths continue to rise? According to the World Health Organization, on-road injuries are among the leading causes of death worldwide, especially in low-income countries. With more deaths, more injuries, and billions of dollars in annual costs, what can drivers and the companies that hire them do to keep our roads safer? Welcome to the Global Road Safety Podcast. I'm Tony Douglas, and I've got a quick question. What do Formula One driver Valtteri Bottas, world number one golfer Ernie Els, world number one tennis player Anna Ivanovic, the England Rugby World Cup winning team, the Dutch women's Olympic gold medal hockey team, the Australian Cricket World Cup winning team, and the Vancouver Canucks of the NHL all have in common? They, along with many others, have been coached by our guest, visual sports scientist and coach, Dr. Cheryl Calder. Also joining us in the episode is Andrew Crickmay, Managing Director of Driver Bureau South Africa. Andrew will guide us through his success in taking Dr. Calder's techniques into commercial driving applications. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Global Road Safety Podcast. Dr. Cheryl Calder and Andrew Crickmay. We're honored to have you both. Thank you so much. Hello to everyone. Hello, Tony. The focus, uh, no pun intended, for our discussion today is the importance of eye training for the task of driving. Dr. Calder, let's start at the beginning. Can you share with us the personal journey that led you to becoming a visual analysis coach? It's a really long journey. So it started from, from a really young age where I was um, intrigued and inquisitive about the fact that you could use your eyes in a certain way. And as a young kid already, I uh, experimented with ways of how do you train it, how do you do it, why do you do it like that. Started playing field hockey for South Africa. And through all those experiences, uh, I realized at some point that uh, I do see different and I do do things differently. And then got to the point where I, I started doing my research at University of Cape Town in South Africa and showed that if you use your eyes and your brain and your body in a certain way, you can impact performance. Very interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about what that research involved? How exactly did you did you research this concept? The bulk of my work has been uh, in elite sport. And all the research I did was on um, international athletes which is um, probably really tough, you know, to get all those athletes together. I did that because I was still involved in international sport at that point and then just showed that um, if you train in a certain way, so I gave them training programs and I, I taught them how to use their bodies effectively in the specific sport that they play and then showed that by using these skills, you impact performance significantly. And for the benefit of our audience, you, you mentioned international sport. Many likely don't, don't realize because of the regional nature of some of these sports that sports like cricket, rugby, golf, 
tennis and Formula One racing, just to name a handful, have been uh, some of the applications where you've provided coaching. You've become known as the iCoach. I'd be interested to know if you've seen a difference in how you can apply the techniques, say, compared to a rugby athlete versus uh, a race car driver. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the explanation is, is really simple. Uh, my work showed that, and all my research showed that it's really about the individual. So, uh, for example, uh, I, I work in Formula One, and uh, the first time I, I work with the driver, I uh, assess his skills, and I've worked with numerous Formula One drivers. When I assess them, they still have skills that are lacking for the performance and the driving they need to do in Formula One. And through the years of my research, I discovered that it's not really about the sport or what you are involved in. It's about how you, as an individual, develop your skills and how you use them effectively. And so we all have these strengths and weaknesses in our system, and um, they can be improved. And that's the exciting part about the work I've done is that you're not born with the certain eyes and a certain brain and certain skills. These skills are all trainable. Um, and through all of that research and work with uh, all these elite athletes, I showed that you can create training programs to improve the eyes, the brain, and decision-making. So let's talk about those training programs for a moment of course, you have created the iGym, which is one of the techniques that you use to provide that training. Can you explain to us, how does that work? Is it a, uh, a daily type of exercise? Like if we wanted to improve the strength in, say, our right arm, you know, we might do a daily exercise for that. How does the iGym work when it comes to uh, improving, improving visual skills? You know, the easiest analogy is, is to use a normal physical gym. And as you mentioned, just as you go to the physical gym, you would also go to the eye gym. And the eyes have got muscles. The brain is inherently a muscle. Your uh, motor skills are trainable. And then we still train decision-making as well. So what we really do, we take your eyes and your brain and your motor skills to the gym. And we have found ways and we've done the research to show that if you train the eyes and the brain and the motor response in these different kinds of ways, we've impacted performance. Uh, and we've done all the research. We've got, we've got a lot of data to show by training in the eye gym that you can impact on-field, driving, scholastic performance, uh, and a whole lot of different fields that we work in as well. So I recently watched an interview where you described your coaching style as teaching people how to win. And then you went deeper relating that an, an athlete needs crucial skills in moments like a PGA or a Wimbledon vinyl or in a World Cup competition or an F1 race. As it comes to uh, visual skills, what do you think those crucial skills are? It really depends on the activity that you are involved in. The important thing is, is to remember that we're not good at all our skills. And what we do, we identify the ones you're not good at and we make them better. And we take the good skills and you can make them better as well. We just presume that we do things well, we do things good. And especially the elite athlete that I deal with, they really believe they're good at everything. However, when you assess a system you realize, no, they're not. Um, and then you take skills that have been lying dormant that, that are there, 
You just don't use them effectively. And there comes a time when you need all the skills. So if you don't have that specific skill at that crucial time, you're probably going to lose or not win the race, etc. So what we do, we identify these skills and um, we train them up to be able to use effectively just like the skills that you're good at. And, and so often with elite athlete or with an individual, it's just the spark that you need to perform at the highest level. When you train in the eye gym, you train the whole suit of skills, which then open up all these new things to see and process and respond to. And you, you would use it on a regular basis like you would go to a gym um, and you'd go in and train the different um, drills. Would you recommend a, a training that needs to take place, for example, over the life of a career? Uh, in sport or uh, in in a commercial application, or do you ever really arrive where you've got those skills at uh, those seeing skills, those visual skills at a level of competence, or is there uh, a refresher interval or or uh, ongoing training that's required? The training is periodized, just like any physical training program. What we do with a lot of our clients prior to a big competition or prior to some specific uh, event, we would uh, make sure they train effectively. We give them warm-ups to do prior to to performing. Um, And then, of course, after the main competition, you'll take them off our gym for a a week or two or a month, and then, you know, you'll get going again. So you would periodize it depending on what you are doing. So it's just like, um, like any other system. If you don't use it, it deteriorates. And if you don't train it specifically, you just start losing the skills. I mean, the basic skills remain there, but your, your real sharpness and your ability to perform under pressure would deteriorate. And that makes perfect sense. So as we kind of now transition away from thinking about athletes and over to people who drive for a living, whether it's large trucks the drivers of those kinds of vehicles, smaller pickup and delivery vehicles, or or even our listeners who simply drive and commute to and from work. In the context of that type of application, do you see a difference in the critical skills between someone driving in a routine circumstance and someone like an F1 driver? Of course. So uh, Arjum actually has an application to every walk of life and to every individual. So we work with we work with kids from six years old, and we in fact um, worked with a an old guy of 96 a couple of months ago because he wanted to redo his driver's license and improve his reaction times. So it has an it really has an application to every single person, and specifically in driving, uh, we work with a with very big insurance companies where with one specific company, we, within six months of all the clients getting access to our gym, we brought down the loss ratio in claims between 20 and 25%, which is simply explained by uh, less accidents, less claims, etc. So, um, and we have all the data um, to show that there was an improvement in driving skills because this company install a, um, a tracker in every motor, motor vehicle and we monitor them in their training and we show how they train and how they improve and the, the tracker will tell us exactly what they do with their driving skills. 
And we've correlated all of that and, and found that these amazing results of bringing down their loss ratios in claims. Yeah, those are remarkable improvement stats. 20 to 25 percent is, uh, is very, very significant. As you think about the various educational levels of road users, how is the iGym set in terms of being able to be used, you know, kind of through different literacy levels? Have you found any concerns with everyone in the motoring public, if you will, able to use the training? It's absolutely user-friendly, and we've been doing it for such a long time, and we actually update the application on a weekly basis. So as soon as we work with a group or we learn something within a week, we are updating the application on, a, as I say, on a weekly basis. It's, it's user-friendly. Um, it has its own personal trainer, really, which guides you through the program. It's very easy to follow. And, of course, in the driving environment – I think we all agree that visual skills are crucial skills required on a daily basis and, of course, can have life or death consequences. I'd, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are, you know, observing today, particularly in the context of technology's impact on visual performance. Of course, what we hear as a main cause of accidents is distracted driving but it seems like this goes much deeper. This is more than a driver being impaired because they've looked away and looked at their cell phone. It seems that um, that this is a much deeper issue, that we're just scratching the surface when we talk about distracted driving. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think being distracted by your, your smartphone or device is definitely happening more and more. But for us at iGym, we call it um, the abuse of your eyes and your brain by using digital devices way too much because we believe the eyes were never designed to look close. We have looked at the stats and people spend anything from one hour to 14 hours a day on devices. We have shown that by using these small devices, there's a decline in the visual skills so the ability to be aware of what's happening around you, the ability to scan and make a decision based on what you're seeing. Concentration skills are deteriorating because we're jumping from one aspect to another. So, for example, we'll go from Instagram to something else, and if we're not happy with what we see there, we move on to something else. So other than abusing the eyes, we also uh, – almost learning to be distracted and we're learning not to concentrate and we're learning not to use our eyes effectively as they were designed. And we're doing this for a couple of hours every day. So uh, you can imagine the effect on the system. And then we get into a motor vehicle or into a truck and we expect our eyes and brain to respond as they always have. It's really important to find ways or find an antidote to um, all these devices that we use all the time and to the digital decline that just about every person that uses a smart device is experiencing at the moment. Yeah, so what we're seeing in the road safety marketplace is technology solutions for that. In other words, a device that you can install in a fleet vehicle that just simply disables the mobile phone. And uh, that takes away the aspect only of having a look at your phone, checking a text, whatever the case may be. Uh, it sounds like what you're uh, speaking to is a much deeper problem. I, I wonder if you think that 
we can recover those skills through training. If they can fully be recovered, do you think there's long-term uh, damage that, that can't be recovered through training, such as iGym training? I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that. Absolutely, they can be recovered. Just like, you know, just like any physical system, if you do a certain amount of training, you do have an imp um, improvement in performance. The way we train the system in iGym is not, not only training the visual skills and getting the eyes to move more effectively, making them judge better, making them pick, pick up information a lot quicker, but we're also training the process in the brain. So other than these input skills of how I take information in, we also train the process skills. So the information you take in, how quickly you can accurately you can process that information and get it through to your motor response. So um, it's an absolute trainable skill. And that's encouraging. I don't know if you see the same thing in South Africa that we're seeing in the United States, but uh, our numbers here are getting progressively worse, more accidents, more fatalities. And we're seeing that driving behavior uh, has declined over the pandemic period uh, such that um, uh, it, it, it almost feels like a different driving environment than it did pre-pandemic. And the news is not good. Absolutely. Um, I think it's happened all over the world. People have spent a lot more time on digital devices in this time that we've, we've been locked down. Um, I, I haven't got the proof that that is the fact because I haven't done any research into that, but I'm sure that will be coming out soon. But there's no doubt that, um, or definitely where we live, Andrew will tell you, you need to be almost have eyes all around your head in, in the environment that we drive in at the moment because it's absolute chaos on the roads, many more accidents, etc. So um, I think these skills are probably more important now than they've ever been. So thank you, Dr. Calder. I, I'd like to come back to you for a summary comment or two shortly. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to bring Andrew into the conversation. Andrew, through his company, Driver Bureau, has implemented Dr. Calder's iGym training techniques into commercial driving and heavy equipment operation applications in South Africa. Andrew, can you please tell us about Driver Bureau and how you've introduced iGym? So, Tony, in my previous life, I ran a supply chain optimization business, and I was always fascinated about the, the effect of the driver uh, on the machine and the productivity and the safety. And all our clients, to almost to a, to a man or, and a, or a woman, were complaining about judgment error and complaining about getting more out of, out of the operators from a judgment error point of view. So I, I approached the best person I could possibly think of who worked in this field, and that was Dr. Calder. So we've really used her technology as the cornerstone of our e-learning and big data platform. So that's how we got into it. And, and over about a period of about five or six years, we've, I think, largely perfected how we apply the technology in the big industries that we work in. So that's what I've been doing. And uh, we find very similar results to Dr. Calder. Uh, we see performance improvements of, of anything between 28 and 55% when we train the drivers on, on this process. Can you share a specific success story of, of how the program was implemented and how you were able to measure performance improvement and how you did make that, that measurement of performance improvement? We found that the biggest uptake, we've done a lot of work in the fuel industry and we've done, funnily enough, 
a lot of work in underground mines. So one of the biggest coal mining companies in South Africa has introduced what we call the visual performance journey across all their, their mines. And everyone does, every worker, every machine operator does our, our induction program, which is an hour-long program at the beginning of every year. And then a portion of those do the IGEM training. The induction process, Tony, is focused on self-understanding. So a lot of people think, as, as Dr. Calder was saying earlier on, they think they're very good, but they're actually not. So your self-understanding is critical, especially now during the COVID years, because your ability could be dropping without your knowing it, either under, because of stress or because of inactivity or because of you've been sick. So our knowledge and a business's knowledge of the skill of their operators or drivers is important. So we focus on that in the, the induction program. And then, as I say, we train a selected amount. Um, we obsessed, Tony, with getting the machine, measuring what the machine says that person, how that person is operated, because ultimately that's the measure. We can have the best theory in the world. It has to show on the machine. So we're seeing a 14% reduction in telematics incidents uh, with a one-hour program, and we're seeing a 28% reduction in telematics with only 60, 60 minutes of IGEM training in a, in a year, which is remarkable. I never thought we'd get that. And then up to 55% improvement if there's extensive uh, training done daily. As we talk about the visual performance journey, what you're doing then is an induction process that is kind of getting all of the, the drivers of the fleet or all of the equipment operators on the same page, understanding their strengths and weaknesses. And then it it sounds as though perhaps a step two to that is selecting some of those operators or drivers to go through the iGEM training. How do you decide who gets the additional training and, and who doesn't? How we decide that is, is it's really a big data play. So the more information we can get on that driver. So in the induction process, we collect attitudinal information. We, uh, we uh, you know, the, the self-awareness of the driver, we can all measure that. Uh, we can measure the IGEM the, the scores. Uh, we can look at the training the person has done. We can look at the incidents he's done. We know the shifts that he's done. And with that, we begin to build a picture, not only on who we should be training on, on the IGEM program, but also specifically what other training does the person need? We're starting to talk, Tony, about a concept called predictive training, where we can see from the telematics data and we can see from the history of training and its IGEM results, we can almost start to think what person should be achieve, uh, we've been training on long before there's, a, there's an accident. That's fascinating. So shifting gears just a bit on the actual training itself in, in a commercial app application, are you able uh, with your customers to measure something as granular as reaction time? after the, the iGEM training. Will your data support those kinds of very specific details in the driver's performance, or is it more related to a reduction of, of incidents? 
So, no, so Tony, it, it, it depends on the client. Our preference is to get the raw, the rawest data that we can from the uh, telematics device, second by second, so that we can uh, establish a baseline and then establish the improvement, establish, use the information, who to train, and then track the improvement. We've seen, for example, an operator on a certain corner is having trouble. Is That may coincide, uh, may correlate, for example, with this poor peripheral vision. So we know we have a problem. This individual is not seeing things at, a, at crossroads. Therefore, we either need to train him extensively in uh, the, the peripheral vision on Arjum or give him some sort of supplementary training specifically on that, on that aspect. I'm wondering what kind of feedback does the driver or the operator receive uh, from your process? Are you able to share with them so they actually can, can see for themselves that they were at, at a certain point before they began uh, the intervention, for example, with the iGym training, and then they can see that they have improved, that the actual training uh, is measured in such a way, you know, almost like they're looking at their bicep in the mirror. They, they have a visual reference to, to help them feel more confident that their vision has improved. We do it to some extent, but we haven't begun to exploit that wonderful opportunity. You know, Tony, if you look at a supply chain, there's probably 11 levels between the the ultimate CEO and the driver, especially if you're running an outsourced operation. The driver is so far away from, from from, from the CEO, it's often crazy. And he is, the driver is the source of risk. Now, if you can enlist the support of a driver, businesses that we work in, often expect their people to to perform at a high level and don't give them any feedback. So it's it's really on my heart. That's really where we would love to go, Tony. And, you know, we, we're getting there not as fast as I'd like to get there, but that's where we're headed. Yeah, that that's a very sincere uh, assessment that I appreciate, Andrew. And, and uh, I, I think therein lies, you know, many of the challenges that, that we have in in the road safety business is getting uh, the highest levels of the organization connected with the source of risk. And and, and in every case, that's the driver, that's the equipment operator. And, you know, there has to be, for lack of a a better phraseology, that that emotional buy-in that is part of this as well. Any other thought that you'd like to share around uh, this topic of visual performance and safety in our context, particularly on the road? I think as a, as a broad industry, certainly the ones that I look at, we, we're kind of too mechanistic in, in tackling this problem. we mechanistically trying to control the driver with governors, with monitors, with beeps and alarms. We kind of forget that these guys, it's judgment error that, that you cannot take away until you are fully automated. And uh, we're excited about this field because uh, we have a base from Arjum that is just so successful. We really are enjoying applying that to companies that that uh, see things the same way as we do. 
Thank you, Andrew. Dr. Calder, what what have we missed? What what else would you like to add that you can uh, share with our audience? You mentioned about reaction time. So uh, what we do at Argem, we measure two kinds of reaction time. You get simple reaction time, which is just responding as quickly as you can. And, and then you get choice reaction time. It's how you respond to a decision. So you see something, you decide what to do, and you respond. And, and those two scores are very different. And some people think they've got really good reaction times, but when you put a decision in it, that's the difference. And that's exactly what happens when you drive. It's, it's quickly picking up information and making decision based on, on what you should be doing. And those are two trainable skills. And we can measure that, and we can train you, and we can reassess you, and we can show how you improve in these skills. And in, um, in a 10-minute session of training in the iGym, you can make about between 500 and 600 decisions based on something you haven't seen before. Now, you can imagine if you repeat this all the time, what kind of system you're building. The other important skill, which is really important, is Andrew mentioned judgment, which is also deteriorating because of these screens so close to our eyes, but the ability to scan and pick up information early. The earlier you pick up information, the more time you have to make a decision. And these skills are all trainable in the iGym. So that's, that's really exciting. And then lastly, I would say that if you haven't trained these skills, you're underperforming. So you're underperforming as a driver. The skills that you have, we can make them better. Absolutely. That is exciting. I know I can speak for everyone that is involved in road safety as an important part of their daily work. We're always looking for those opportunities that we've missed. You know, what we're seeing is a tremendous amount of time and effort that's being put into vehicle systems to, um, you know, implement crash avoidance, lane departure warnings. And those things are, are all wonderful. But the person behind the wheel, it would not seem either in the highway driving, roadway driving circumstance or in equipment operation that that person's going away anytime soon. And to get to where so many of if you will, the best-in-class companies around the world that are focused on safety, their focus is, is zero, that we're striving to get to zero, that nobody gets hurt, nobody gets killed. And it certainly seems that without this important piece of the puzzle, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to get there. I think that's exactly it. It's an important piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole piece, but it's like creating a, a jigsaw puzzle and you're missing a really big piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think no pun intended. Again, we see that it's, it's pretty obvious from what's going on on the roads, what's happening with uh, the overuse. Uh, Dr. Calder used the word abuse, the abuse of technology. That's having an impact that, uh, that we as a society, as commercial entities with the responsibility of operating on the roads that we need to address. So this has been very, very helpful today. Many thanks again to Dr. Cheryl Calder and Andrew Crickmay for helping us all better understand the importance of visual training, the analysis of that training, and the contexts of success. So we hope to have you join us again on a future episode to update our audience on uh, innovations that are certainly to come and on future success. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. 
And that wraps this episode of Global Road Safety Podcast. Stay tuned for future guest announcements and drive safely. The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, the leader in crash avoidance driver safety training. Follow the Global Road Safety Podcast for new episodes coming soon. Thank you.